So how's your, how's your, your uh, TechnoSocial podcast going? Well, TechnoSocial is, um, it's fun. We're in a, like an interesting point where I've got so many other things going on that there's less time than there was, say, two years ago with TechnoSocial. And it also kind of feels like we're just doing an interesting conversation here and there rather than really trying to like drive on with it. Like I think yeah. um, what I've kind of experienced the last six, seven months actually doing the Media Academy, um, I have a sense that it's the regularly meeting classroom or group spaces that are actually the most interesting ones. Yeah. It's like, it's way more fun and engaging for me to do a uh, Media Academy seminar than right. it is your podcast and i think that's that's partly i kind of have a sense i listen to far fewer podcasts these days than i was um two three years ago yeah um, and i think partly that's because like the pandemic right podcast just boomed because there was nothing to fucking do and then since that ended there's also a desire to be out but it was even before the pandemic i think from 2017 i just kind of discovered joe rogan and jordan peterson and yeah threw myself in and that became my life um, but the way I've kind of been thinking about it recently, it's like, I think there was this whole podcast and alternative media boom that happened yeah. and lots of new ideas kind of got some exposure, lots of networks formed, but now we're kind of at a point where there's a shift going on where the networks have formed, the ideas are kind of out there and just having another interview with someone to put a new idea out doesn't really do anything. Right. And so it's, um, now I'm kind of beginning to wonder, okay, how, how did these go into practice, but how do we also kind of think deeper and uh, collaborate more deeply? Yeah. And so like, that's, I mean, even with the, um, another thing that's kind of come out in recent conversations about the media Academy, it's like, we spent the last year doing introductory lectures on various thinkers that we thought were important, like yeah. Camille Paglia and Rene Girard and so on. But I think really the next step is to go deep in. So to choose a text and to read the whole text together, kind of like a reading group, but also like a, like a study group. But I right. think, uh, and so podcasts with cool thinkers, for example, get ideas out quickly, but they don't spend the, like the serious amount of detail that I would like to spend with a thinker's ideas or with a text that you get from reading a book or you'd get from doing a community with it. And so to go back where I started with that, I do think it's these like seminar spaces or classroom spaces that are the most interesting rather than just the podcasting. Right. No, I have the same feeling that the market is kind of saturated. And I did this kind of thing with a podcast for a couple of years, you know, to, to do like one episode or let, let's say like two or three episodes a month like regularly for a couple of years. But that's now, you know, I, I feel that, you know, quantity, no, uh, like quality goes over quantity now. And I, I really think that podcasting still has a lot to offer, but it's, it's more like this, you know, homeopathic needle things where you, where you have like a good topic, interesting people, and you, you do like a, a, a high quality podcast uh, that people can participate rather than just, you know, Do, do it like every week you know that's my feeling and and my feeling is also you know what we're doing with with parallax is this is is you know offer courses layman pascal just did a, a, a rebuilding spirituality course which was great because because of that sad aspect of participation you know and, and what i personally like is is you know 
trying to do more art basically you know i'm i was talking you know with bart yesterday about this because um, th there's this whole idea that and it, it comes from nicholas taleb that you know uh, uh the artist uh in comparison to let's say you know the engineer or, or, or the politician he actually has skin in the game because it's you know so deeply connected to his his being and i feel like that when i when i'm writing a novel which i'm i'm finishing my novel right now and this is like a whole different approach of being in the world and you know then to just write another philosophical book because like a philosophical book you have like an uh uh, uh you have an argument and and uh, you, you can follow it through through the book and it is not that it that doesn't touch my being that deeply as like an artistic piece of work. And so there's way more, more skin in the game. And I find that way more interesting at, at the moment, you know, and the same is with podcasting, like this high quality things, you know, where, where, where you actually have like a, you know, some pull and can change something or change the dialogue or something. Yeah, I, I feel you with that. And I think I think we did well with techno social in the sense people would always say like it's got this really avant-garde feeling to it. It's a bit yeah. of like psychedelic trip. And I think that's partly because well, working with Daniel and Daniel's just this like Alex Jones meets Nick Land, right? He's just yeah. like crazy. And then I mean I kind of like my background really is in music and I, yeah, I saw that you just published a the a video with uh um you playing the violin isn't that true yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. so you studied yeah. that or yeah so i mean like as a as a kid i played a lot of uh violin and guitar basically right and then like formed my first band when i was 14 and i've kind of been doing various music projects ever since i never been massive or like toured or anything but i've always been kind of like writing and playing and jamming and then mm. most recently in the last like couple of years or so I've got a more serious project up and running with um, with Salvatore, which is the video you would have seen with me yeah, playing yeah. violin. And he's a uh, Italian classical guitarist. So the project's called Microcosmos, if anyone wants to have a look for it. Um, but I think the, the, like, the attitude of being an artist has always been there with what I've been doing. Like I kind of just, the way I think about it is like, if I'm like improvising a solo on the guitar, right. It's just kind of a, like, I have a vague sense of what the scales are, but it's right. kind of just listening for what the good next note is. Yeah. And that's generally how I seem to kind of like navigate in life is kind of like listening for what the next good note is, right. which is a lot of fun and it seems to be working, but it's also very frustrating for people like my girlfriend, where she's just like, your behavior doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Oh, and yeah so there's a kind of like learning how to be a human sometimes right but i think like with techno social there was always that kind of like very intuitive sense to it um but i do also notice there were times when it got a bit like griftery when it's like okay well let's just get some big people in to get a bit of audience and i think maybe you have to do that at some point yeah but yeah it's kind of like i think i've got the the luxury now of having a bit of an audience and having a bit of a presence in a network. And so it kind of can go like kind of similar to what you're saying. I want to spend more time in that artistic space, really. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I spend most of my time now, if I've got headphones in, I'm listening to music because yeah. I'm looking for ideas to work with rather than listening to podcasts. Right. Right. No, I get that, you know, and I also get, you know, it's kind of 
with a with a podcast or like a thing parallax i think with with uh you know the media academy you were doing it's it's kind of the same that it's 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 like a ship that you always have to steer through the waters and it's like you always have to look for new opportunities and ways you know to go and it's always always a work in project uh, progress and i like that but it's kind of exhausting at the same time because you know you're always kind of creating the you know, the future on the spot you know so you're trying to work here a little bit and then you tweak it here a little bit and then you you kind of try to connect it with your own life you know and where where where's your interest you know leading you up to and so yeah yeah and i think one of the the great things about having a media academy is having like the the regular audience it's always the same guys who show up which means like they're coming up with ideas and new things to do and so the thing kind of it flies itself more obviously right. Andrew and I and Eskil, when he was involved, there was like behind the scenes meetings and fiddly stuff to do. But yeah. it, it's got a mind of its own in a sense. There's other people who are increasingly kind of getting inspired by the stuff and being like, okay, let's do this, let's do this. Um, rather than say with a podcaster, I think there's just ultimately like one or two people kind of driving it and it's just up to you. Yeah. And there's no external input really. I mean, Media Academy, that's kind of uh, uh, Marshall McLuhan-centric, isn't it? That, that was what we started with. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I mean, like, that's his ideas, I think, really inspire. Um, well, it's interesting, right, that McLuhan was thinking that increasingly as we go more and more electric, it's going to be multidirectional communications rather than single-direction communication. Yeah. You know, connect with people. And what the media academy students have been saying as we've gone on is that the most valuable sessions are the interactive ones where everyone's having yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. stuff bouncing around like lectures are cool interviews are cool but the ones we get the most value out of is where we're all doing this together which yeah. totally corroborates what marshall McLuhan was predicting actually that yeah. actually people are getting sick of this um i forget the word that he uses it but like single directional just like sender to receiver type of media yeah no, no, because that's, I think that's a, that's a point of convergence because like what, what I, the, the reason um, I started with, with Parallax was, you know, that I was so fed up with, with media basically and the way, and so uh, I, I, I come more from the Nicholas Luhmann and Chomsky approach to media. I don't know if you have read those things. but uh, I've you know, watched a bit of Chomsky, but it's not like super familiar to me no it's like his propaganda model you know and yeah. so and and that you know media uh doesn't depict the real world but is always uh filtering uh what we are what we are you know receiving in a kind of way and luman has a similar approach a more system th systemic theoretic uh, systems theory approach to it and so i always like that you know and because to have a platform that creates uh, different narratives and highlights you know the mechanisms and so that was a huge uh influence of, of me like starting the whole thing you know in the first place because it's like what what you know the first sentence of luman's book about media is that everything that we know that's the quote everything that that we know we know through mass media about mm. the world you know and if, it's 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 kind of true, you know, if, if mass media is like not only internet, but books and movies and all, all these kind of different mediums. And so that 
I find that utter fascinating, utterly fascinating. This yeah, well, it, it reminds me of my experience, as I mentioned, like 2017, when I just started getting really into the podcasting. It was when that whole first Jordan Peterson boom happened. And that yeah. was when I was doing my, um, my master's thesis at, uh, at uh, Bristol University here in the UK. And I have this like, really weird experience that I was like formerly a, a student in the university, but then all of these podcasts that were going on, I was learning far more from those than I was actually in my university studies and far more than anything I'd ever kind of come across in media before that point. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why I think I kind of just got obsessed with it. And then when I, um, when I finished my studies and I got a job in a startup for a while, and then after six months left that because I just got overworked. <laughs> and I was like, I'm just going to start a podcast because I had a hunch that it seems like if I start a podcast, I might be able to have conversations with interesting people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. And, and that was literally about all it was. I was like 23, 24, kind of interested in philosophy and a bit of a stoner who liked having long rambling. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's see what happens. <laughs> mm, well, of course. Mm. And then, um, I mean, it's funny, right? You could almost say perhaps that I got my first break when I spoke to Andrew. Oh, really? Like, okay. And because like, I did a conversation with Andrew and then shortly after, I think I did a conversation with Bard and then it kind of like, suddenly I was in this whole world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. I get that. I have a similar story, you know, before I had this podcast, Lateral Conversations, and this is like six years ago because like, like you, I, you know, I had this need to talk to interesting people because Mallorca, the place where I live, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a holiday place and it's kind of a carnival all the time. But, you know, it's like I'm, I'm missing the I missed the conversation with the interesting people. And at that time, like six years ago, uh, podcasting was very new and I had no fucking clue uh, what I was doing. I was uh, like putting like a microphone on and then I was like, the, the first episodes are so bad <laughs> you know, because I was like trying to navigate, you know, the, the chaos. But then, you know, the same thing happened because, you know, because, you know, people then you get to know other people and so you build like i don't want to say a street cred but you build something you know and and i think then i start you know then i got an interview with ken wilber and i got an interview with with uh you know zach leary the son of timothy leary and then i got an interview with because of all of that uh you know with rick strassman the dmt doctor and and then i got an interview with jordan peterson and that was for a while my gold card because then I could say, ah, see, I did this interview with Jordan. Would you like to have an interview? And so because the medium was new, everybody was saying, ah, yeah, of course, you know. And so that was kind of funny. Yeah, well, that's funny. That, so you spoke to Jordan Peterson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. When, was that before he went famous or was that? Kind no, of well, no, that was exactly in that moment. Right. Because uh, he said something in the terms of, no, he, he described it later that, you know, he started to talk to everybody. In that moment, because he understood that there's a mechanism um, um, through podcasting to talk to larger audiences. And so he started really with, a, I don't know, like a grassroots movement. He's, he talked to everybody. And I was just one of those everybody's, you know, it's like. And so and so we talked about, you know, the incident at the, you know, Toronto University or wherever it was. And, and so we talked about postmodernism and and that was great, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's funny how it, it's weird how 
we're talking a matter of like a few years and yet it feels like it's deep history. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Before yeah, yeah. John Peterson was famous. Yeah. It is like, oh God, way back when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I always have that, you know, like you tell me like, how old is YouTube? 15 years? I don't know how old, 20? I, I don't know, like 2006, when does, did it start? It's like in my, in, my, in my mind, it was always there. But it's, that's, of course, bullshit, you know? But, yeah. but, so, but so our kind of conception of time has completely changed with the internet. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like you know, the, the, I was talking with Andrew about this, you know, the Oscar slap. It's like three weeks ago. <laughs> it's like it seems an eternity, you know? But the pandemic, right? Do you remember that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, but you know, I'm because also like you know, talking about the ecosystem, you know, talking to talking about Jeremy Johnson and you know, and, and Gene Gapser, and you know, the whole conception of you know, integral uh, perspectival thinking, which is which is concerned. I don't know how familiar you are with that, you know, it's concerned with new conceptions of time instead of you know, space which was more like the thing of the modern modernist consciousness. And so, you know, you know different, uh, you know, he calls it acronon, you know, being free of time or, and the different conceptions you have of time that could exist, you know, at the same time, basically. And so it's, it's super interesting how that is connected to the internet age, because my feeling is that, you know, time runs different in, in, in that kind of ecosphere the internet sphere yeah yeah I, i think totally it's there's i mean I, i kind of noticed right like i'm very very addicted i guess to just the like messages pinging off and constantly there's constantly like a new email or a new chat or something which means i think if i imagine say like a conversation like like say say we're gonna have this conversation yeah and then yeah. if this maybe was I don't know, but a few decades ago, I'd have this conversation and then maybe I'd go and have some lunch and I'd sit and I'd think about the conversation and kind of yeah. process. Whereas what's going to happen is I'm going to finish this conversation and I'm probably going to check my emails and then check my phone and have three different messages and I'm going to be thinking about something else. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure on some level I will be thinking about this conversation, but I won't be doing it consciously. Right. And I'll get little flashes throughout the day and like that must do something to our perception of time. Yeah, because, yeah, like, because I... I don't know, because I have the feeling that lots of acquaintances and, or even friendships can sustain themselves over like a medium like podcasting or the internet, like broadly speaking. Um, but it's like, it's like little time bubbles, you know, we're talking now and then we go our way and then, you know, we can, we can repeat the podcast, let, let's say in two months or so, and just continue where we, where we uh, uh, left off you know and so it is it appears as no time would have passed and this is like an experience i had a long time like lots of times you know that you know that you just enter you know this rhizomatic nodes of you know dialogue or whatever that is and then, then you stop you you leave that node you do something else you know you talk to other people and then you come back and it's as if as sorry as if uh, no time has passed Sorry, yeah. I'm still slurring my words. I'm like, don't, don't worry. I'm just wondering who's going to hit the like 11 a.m. hangover first. <laughs> I think yeah. we're probably still both a bit drunk. Yeah. So ride that for now. Um, what can I say to, say to that? 
Yeah, well, one of the things I kind of news about, so you're, I don't know, a few years older than me, at least. I'm 27 now. Oh, well, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but so like i don't know adult life without uh without internet communication yeah right mm-hmm. but at the same time i did get on like i had my first i think myspace profile when i was 13 or something Facebook, yeah. 13 14 so i did have my kind of like early childhood without it was like game boys and game cubes and stuff yeah and then i remember being like 12 or 13 and we had this uh, this wireless internet router in the basement that my parents had ordered, but had never bothered to set up. So everything was just like done by the wire. Yeah. And I was one day I was like, I'm going to sort out this internet thing. Yeah. So I just went and set up the wireless thing, and it ended up meaning my dad couldn't use his PC. So he was a bit upset about that. But that was kind of like maybe like a bit of a turning point where it's like, okay, now now the internet's on. But wow. so it's like. I find it hard to imagine, say, social networks or dating or anything like that without immediate communication all the time with my thumbs. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know it. So when you're dating, it's all via applications or what? Well, I mean, uh, no, obviously, like, you go on physical dates and stuff. No, no, sure, but the instigation would be... be Yeah, mostly. And, And, you know, there's so much... Like texting game is a whole fucking discipline that you have to learn now. You know, like don't reply too quickly and don't say too much if they don't say too much and so on and so forth. And yes, that, that's a whole fucking minefield. And it's like something that we just kind of are having to learn on the fly. But it's like <laughs> listening to old songs or watching old movies and someone's got to like call someone on the landline and leave a message for them or like ask for a number and get it scribbled down on a piece of paper. That's rare now, right? That's like a little like romantic, like that's a special thing. If someone writes your number down on a piece of paper, it's like, ooh, I've gone back in time. Yeah, but this is, you know, talking about age, you know, um, because that's how I grew up, you know? You know, it's like, I, I think, you know, I mentioned it before, but, you know, I, I, I'm, my generation is the last generation you know, before the internet. I grew up in the woods, basically, you know, and in nature, And so I had to, when I wanted to meet a girl, I met in school or whatever, I had to pick up the the phone and then I... And then the father's, yes, can I please talk to Stephanie? Stephanie! (laughs) And then, (laughs) yeah, who's there? (laughs) Yeah, it's me and you want to go to the cinema? Yeah, sure. All right, then. We see each other right <laughs> and so you know and you know i kind of still appreciate that because you know i know that you have to have you know tinder game or texting game or whatever but at the same time um nobody is talking to the woman on the streets and when you do that you know when you do the direct approach at the bar or you know at the tennis club or wherever you do they're mostly surprised and excited that somebody did that because they're so attuned that it's only going through Tinder nowadays or whatever app you use, Grindr or whatever, um, that I think that's always like the, a, a positive, you know, jolt of energy if you, if you do the direct approach, you know, especially if it's, you know, at the daytime and you're not drunk and, you know, you're, you're, you're really uh, investing your balls 
Um, well, to- and it's, it's certainly still the most exciting approach, right? To actually get that tingle when you just see someone, you're like, I need to talk to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Kind of go into that, like, that erotically charged kind of thing where it's just like, oh God, I'm nervous, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and also kind of it's cutting through the noise. One of the funny things to note about dating apps, right? It's like if you compare a man's dating app to a woman's dating app and the man will like swipe, 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 and maybe, maybe get a couple. Of, I mean, you're very handsome, right, Tom? So you probably get quite a lot of likes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but my God, with girls, it's just like piles and piles of men yeah, trying yeah. To, turn to like them. Yeah, yeah, I know. The ratio is completely off, you know? Yeah. The, the one time I got an experience of that, I switched my uh, I switched a profile to. Uh, you were catfishing, huh? You were no, catfishing. I just switched to bisexual, for a bit. <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like men. Oh my god! Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I was like, oh god, okay, this is what it feels like to be a woman on a dating app. Yeah, I think there's a famous, you know, experiment. So they asked, like, I don't know. Uh, uh, I think they, they put like a good looking, like an, a more than average good looking woman on the street and they asked like 100 men how, you know, uh, you know, if they want to have sex with her. And I think nine and nine, 99 out of 100 like would say yes to this. And then you do the same experiment with a woman. You put in, you know, a good looking man on the street and 99 of the 100 women say, no, I don't want to have sex with that. And so it's like the same thing with Tinder. It's like, uh, it's, 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 uh, must, I, I don't know. Must be interesting to see that from their perspective, you know? Yeah, and I mean, it's just the influx. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and messages, yes. It is interesting also how it kind of turns dating into a bit of a video game that you can play wherever you go. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm bored. I'm waiting for a bus. Yeah. I mean, I say this, I haven't got that much experience with it because I, I avoided dating apps for a long time and then I got one, went on one date and now she's my girlfriend and we've been together for two and a half years. Oh, so, well, that's amazing, yes. Mm. Yeah, so I got quite uh, quite lucky with it in a sense. I think rather... Yeah, I would than, say that's a healthy approach to it, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, I I once got a girlfriend through Tinder, you know, and I stayed with her for a while. Um but this is like basically my only positive, you know, positive experience, like in, in, in terms of, you know, relationship with, with, with an app. I really like to do that, like in real life. I don't know why. It's way more palpable for me to, to read a person, you know, to understand if there's attraction there, you know, if, 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 if there's something if there's a mutual reaction, I don't get that, get that really from Tinder because everybody is fucking lying anyhow. Yeah, it's a video game. <laughs> yeah, but that's not healthy to see it as a video game, isn't it? I don't know. I think it's realistic. Like, like it's not about being healthy or unhealthy. It's just saying objectively, what does this device do? It turns it into a bit of a game where I've got an objective. I'm trying to. No, no, I get that, and I completely concur. It's a video game. It's what it is, but it's not healthy. It's certainly different. I, I know it's it, can very, it can be very addictive, but I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's also it can be fun. I think that's the thing. I think 
I think there's some people, if, if you're in the game for dating, then why not? It's just yeah, because I think, it, it, it treats people as a commodity, you know, that's the problem, I think. Yeah, but then like a lot of like casual sex is treating people as commodities, hooking up with people in nightclubs. Yeah. Mm. So I, I think it's just a new interface for treating people. Like I don't think we should romanticize sex too much. Like romance is fucking great, but also the, the it, what? What, what I said we shouldn't romanticize sex too much. The vermits? What? What? Romance. Just... Romance. A romance. Yes. Mm. Like romance is great. I love romance. I'm a big yes. romance. But um, not all of sexuality is romantic, right? Some of it is very commodity based. Some of it, I think, like <laughs> Zizek has a funny image, right? He's like the best way to describe modern sex is if I bring my dildo and you bring your flashlight and then we just plug them in <laughs> and then we go and drink a cup of tea. <laughs> wow. That's interesting. That's an interesting picture, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I think his point with that is also, it's like, I think the, certainly the Lacanian psychoanalytic way of thinking about sex is that like when you're actually in the act itself, it's not really you doing it. It's rather, it's like so much of just that, that primal id, I guess that you like your ego is just disappearing and then you show up again afterwards and it's like oh yeah that happened and it's like a that happened rather than i did that right mm. well well i mean i would i would say it's you know it, it could be the it it could be something transpersonal but to, to just stay in the ego that would be wrong you know i like but you know you know I, you know what i'm saying Yeah, yeah. Well, I, as I was saying that, I'm not sure I completely align with that. But I certainly like to imagine that I'm there when I'm fucking. No, I mean, I mean <laughs> that there, there also could be like a transpersonal uh, experience yeah. going on, and not just a pre-personal it thing. You know? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, using those, that language. Yeah. So it's like getting some kind of deeper union with another person, and thus with whatever is going on in reality. I guess. I mean, going going back to the novel, the novel I'm writing, it's about it's about a love story in mm. um, in COVID times, right? And so the idea was um, that you know, Kronos, kind of with his sickle, destroyed uh, you know the 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 boundary between heaven and earth, right? Because he killed Uranus. And so in the myth, and so that's what happens. And so what happens is that there's a time distortion happening, which was my experience in the pandemic, because suddenly we were in the new normal, you know, everybody was in panic, nobody knew what happened. And so through that opening, so that's the beginning of the book, all the, all the myth, myths are coming in. And so, <clears throat> and so the story is about, you know, a love relationship um, where the chemistry is, is so uh, particular attuned to each other of these two people that um, there, there is a transcendent element to the sexuality where it's not just, you know, it or ego, but there, that there is like an, an insight into the workings of the universe that can be achieved through to sexuality, to, through a kind of tantric sex, which mm. is the basic idea, you know, to, to understand more about um, you know, the workings of the world, I think. If you find that, if you find somebody with whom you can have, you know, this kind of spiritual communion, 
you know? Yeah, well, it's interesting, right? Like, I know people talk about this, and I, I, I mean, I, I'd love to fucking learn how to do that, right? Right. I certainly think that, like, me and my partner have great sex, but I don't know if I'm, like, doing, like, uh, some deep spiritual practice with it. Right. But I'm not like, totally, like, I, I'm not skeptical. I wouldn't write it off, but I don't I kind of have, I don't think I have any kind of first-person knowledge of it myself. Right. I mean, you know, in, in other words, the, the, the book is a, is a retelling of the reads of Aloysius, I think, because, you know, the Greek, you know, Mitraean uh, writes that you, you know, you can participate if you have, you know, a social standing or whatever, but you can't talk about this, you know, and there were drugs involved, but there's also like this, this tantric element by which, you know, you, you, you get this deep insight into, into, into being through, through, you know, the, the, you know, the erotic communion, let's say. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's super interesting that there do seem to be groups kind of in our little world exploring stuff like this, like the kind of tantra networks. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm pretty keen to actually get into that world once I'm uh, basically once I can afford it. Yeah. The Tantra world. Yeah. Mm. Like I am curious to see these modern rites of Eleusis. Right. Right. Mm. Mm. So how about the men's work? Oh, how about the men's work? <laughs> Where to start? So just, you know, just zone in on the one side of the equation, you know? Yeah, well, well, what do you want to know? Like, what are my kind of general thoughts on men's work at the moment? Yeah, yeah. Where, where are you at at the moment? Because okay. you weren't involved in, in this. Mm. Yeah. Um, well, look, I mean, I guess I kind of start with a little bit of background. It's like um, when I discovered men's only spaces, I guess, devoted to um, deepening self-understanding and healing old wounds it was like oh shit where has this been my whole life so i think like i kind of got my first taste of that i uh, i joined a uh, 12 step step sex addicts anonymous group when i was like 23 mm. um, and it's i mean suppose it's not it's not actually a men's group like in theory anyone can go but i think it's pretty intimidating for a woman who's experiencing sexual difficulties to go to a room filled with men who are t talking about themselves as sex addicts. That's like, I think if you're working with sex, probably actually separating away from the people who you're likely to be attracted to is probably smart. So how do I'm sorry, how do, 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 do you differentiate between a 23 year old who's a sex addict and a 23 year old who's just horny because he's 23? Well, absolutely. I mean, what it came down to was that I was suffering a lot because of the uh, the amount of porn that I was watching. And I didn't know how to stop it. Porn? Yeah. Yeah, all right. Mm -hmm. So I was like, the, the main thing was the suffering rather than the like actual behavior itself. It was like that something, I, I felt like something was wrong there. And so I went and spent a bunch of time in that group and ended up leaving because I was like, no, this isn't the thing. I'm just going to like be sitting in this room forever saying, hi, I'm Owen, I'm an addict. And I don't want that to be my yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Actually, you know what, like jerking off and porn isn't so bad. I actually quite like it. I, mm. just, I just need to kind of learn a, um, a more... Uh, more skillful relationship with it but it's interesting you can kind of like analyze that through a like hegelian lens that i kind of went through different points in a dialectic so there was the kind of starting point where i was like my life's out of control and then kind of going into this thing 
with this driven by this fantasy that okay i'm going to be in this group and it's going to solve sexuality it's going to solve the problem and then going through the group and kind of being like oh there is no solution to this there is only learning to kind of dance with this thing this group. i mean maybe that's an old i'm sorry maybe that's an old man's question but how can you can your life be out of order through porn i mean like what what are you doing in just that looking at a lot of it huh just looking at a lot of it Yeah, like a lot, of, like yeah, but then also just feeling. I mean, like uh, this is all over the internet, right? If you go and find the like nofap communities, for example, there is. And I think it it might just be the kind of modern iteration of the like age old like um, taboo against male masturbation, right? There's some kind of like sense. It might be an inheritance from like Catholicism or Protestantism or or, or something. Yeah, but like yeah. ultimately, like it doesn't come down to the behavior. It just come, came down to I think like the way. I was like constructing my own life in relation to it. So how I felt about it. Right. Going through this whole process to then realize, uh, actually, you know, like now I kind of look exactly the way that you're kind of describing. It's like, oh, okay, well maybe just being a horny young man, maybe you do just jerk off a lot and yeah, sex obsessed. Maybe that is just the nature of things. And this is what I mean. I think there was a shift from thinking, okay, there's a problem to be solved to just, oh no, this is just a thing that's going to be there my whole life. Right. Like I was really driven by this, uh, by this fantasy that I was going to fix my sex life for good. It, like it was a problem. It was going to be solved. Ah, okay. But that's like kind of a British approach, you know, the Victorian, no oh, sexuality is kind of bad and whatever. Mm. Yeah. Well, well, potentially, like I said, I'm, I'm from Britain, so it wouldn't surprise me if that's all. Yeah. Because like, that's like what every man goes through. Like when, you know, when he, when, when he becomes like online to all of the things, you know, like, Let's, let's say really online with 18 and 90, then you have like this constant hammering. It's like every five fucking seconds. It's like, come on, it's horrible. That's what I have to go through now for the rest of my life. And you think it's like, oh, that turns down by 40 and then it goes in extra gear. It's like, oh, that's, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> well, right. It's, it's like, it is learning to live with a kind of a horny monster inside of you. Yeah. And so um, there is a kind of, there's a reason why some people then kind of, I think have a notion of, Oh, maybe I can get rid of the monster somehow, or like, I'm not going to be okay. Or like, I'm not going to be able to live my life until I chain up this monster. Yeah. And there's a massive industry of people selling this to people. Yeah. Like kind of like no fat forums, a huge guy saying it's like, Oh, I used to jerk off, but then I stopped jerking off and now my career's taken off. And now I'm, a millionaire and now I get loads of girls and it's all because I stopped jerking off and blah, 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 blah. There's yeah, like, yeah. There's, there's a massive class of influencers who sell this sort of thing. Have you seen that movie Don John? No. With uh, Jordan, Gordon, uh, uh, what's his name? Joseph Gordon Hewitt or whatever. That's an amazing movie who explores, you know, the whole kind of topic we're talking about because Don John, he's like a guy who gets all the girls. Right. And so, like tens, like Scarlett Johansson type of model kind of girls in the club, whatever. But he's still like utterly addicted to porn. So he fucks the girls. He's, he's left unsatisfied because he can't connect with himself, with anybody. And so he, you know, after, after the girl goes, then he has his private session with his porn thing. And, and, and so the whole thing is very well explored in that movie. And so... You know, and so at, that, at one point, you know, he has like the, the um, actually Scarlett Johansson plays a character there and, and she's like the 
dream every man wants to have and she's like a total bitch and then you know an older woman comes into play like played by julian moore who helps him to get into contact and to express what he really is seeking you know behind all of this and so and that instigates a whole transformation in his character it's an amazing movie it's it's a fun movie mm. yeah and it kind of speaks to that that i think all modern young men, well, all modern men, full stop, you don't have to be young, have to learn to how to navigate this whole thing of porn. Yeah, and no, of and, yeah, no. It's been there forever, but it's like now it's constant. Yeah. No, it's like, I'm, I was talking with Andrew about this, you know, our society lacks the, you know, the, the narrative or the program that, you know, older women initiate younger men. Because, you know, it's kind of, you know, I'm, I, I told the story before, because, you know, when I got like 42, roughly 42, I, that changed something in my life, because suddenly, I saw the glimmer in the eyes of young girls who had daddy, daddy issues. And I didn't see that before, but th they saw in me suddenly something that, that they might resolve uh, some problems that they had with their father. Right, and so they, they they might resolve it with me, and so and and so that that was like a huge game changer for me that to understand that kind of dynamic, mm. and so and 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 I think it would be wise if our society would set up would um, you know, is set up in a way that there would be older women initiating men into sexuality like in a healthy kind of sexuality because that also works you know what i'm saying and it's like you know you don't need the to start your sex life with porn and you know the unexpected uh expectation you know the the unrealistic expectations society lays on upon you but you know let let a wiser woman guide you and lead you into a healthy understanding of sexuality you know yeah i mean that sounds like Exactly, it would be amazing if we had that. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of something I've heard Alexander say about, like, I mean, I think it was one of his offhand comments at a million miles per hour, but something about like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, you used to go to a prostitute and just fuck a domino and get all of your mummy issues out there. And then you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's like, there's something about that, like a 19th century young man going to the brothel and fucking a few courtesans and then being a bachelor for a while. And then going and getting into a serious relationship. With right. Them. I think that's also something that like, we don't, we don't really have the concept of being a, like a bachelor anymore to the same extent. Right. Maybe we have people dating and not looking for anything serious, but I guess perhaps it comes with the, like the sexual liberation of women. There's not really like a class of untouchable women. And then a class of like women who you are allowed to fuck. Right. Mm. Like the marriageable class. And then the horse. Yeah, now it's just kind of like one big mess, a beautiful, yeah. mess, fun mess, but a complicated one. Yeah. Whereas I think previously it was probably a lot simpler for guys. It's like, well, you're going to go and fuck the whores. Just try not to get a disease and try not to have a kid with one of them. And then when you're a bit older and you've got your, I mean, I guess I'm probably talking about our aristocratic men rather than your common man. But once you're a bit older and you've got your life a bit set up, then you're marriageable and then you can go and find someone. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can't, just, you know, I don't know if it's a fairy tale 
or you know you know a story we like ourselves to tell of or if if there, there there is the wise whore you know you always find that kind of figure in literature you know even like in books of henry miller you know madame claude you know the the good whore that pays his bills and then lets him fuck him and he you know he helps yeah yeah, yeah. No, she helps him and 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 you know does all the things the good whore you know but you know then you have like all the other you know literally works where older women uh initiate you know initiate young men you know um what's the guy's name irving the guy who wrote garb uh what you know he wrote a book the door on the floor which is about that you know like a writer is, is estranged from his wife because the, the the kids are dead and and then he takes on you know a little scribe you know a little helper you know he's like 18 and and so on and so the boy gets into a relationship with the mother and her husband knows that, that that was why he was hiring in the first place to solve the crisis that they had because the kids were dead, you know? And so there were like different dynamics going on. That's a very, it's also a very good movie about that kind of thing. And it's very sexy, you know? So, so when, when she, you know, when she leads him into sexuality, basically, you know, and awakens it, it's beautiful. Mm. We need wise horse, whether or not <laughs> I was so romantic right now. Do you, you say wise horse? Yeah, yeah, no, we, we need hey, that's your horse. you said wise horse, not me. I'm just repeating <laughs> no, but I was just in a different part of my brain. I was like, oh, it's already romantic. Yeah, yeah, we need wise horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and well, that was a long digression away from men's work, right? I yeah, 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 yeah. So, mm. so what I was saying, uh, why I started that was that like going into the 12 step group, I got the experience of being in a, in a room with men who are all being very honest and very open, um, which I'd, I'd never really um, sat down, especially with older men, right? I'd never really been in a room with guys who were 10, 20, 30 years older than me and heard them actually admitting that they have struggles in life too. Yeah. And then also, um, because of the sponsorship um, programs in the 12 step, like having an older guy who like would talk to me every day and kind of just like give me advice. And it was like, kind of helping me with, with sex stuff, but also just kind of having a, a mentoring relationship with someone, which again, I hadn't really had, and certainly not one that was based on being like really honest and open and vulnerable basically. Yeah. Um, but then as I said, I decided that actually being in that program wasn't for me. I didn't want that to be the rest of my life. So I left it. Um, and then it felt like there was a big hole. Um, which is, I think, what then set me on the path of that led me to, uh, to discovering men's work and, right. and men's work spaces. Um, and I have found, yeah, just like meeting regularly with groups of guys who I feel like I can trust and be very open with incredibly helpful for me so that's like that's why i like doing it i think um and then also having been as i mentioned um earlier like in bands my whole life but always kind of like male bands not out of choice really just but i was into heavy metal and it was all guys playing heavy metal and i was into martial arts for a while so i always had the experiences of um of creating in like small dedicated teams of guys basically mm. and i've always found that to be incredibly um productive as well and incredibly like great for for expressing my art i guess and so it seemed like those two things came quite naturally together with say the um 
with the the men's media academy it's like well let's let's work with these ethoses of like it's interesting working with a team of guys it works well and it also builds a certain form of intimacy that i feel like works very well for me um of so, course there are um i think one of the like big pitfalls of men's work is of course the, the like the desire to isolate yourself from women to never have to interact with women again which right like there's definitely like part of me is like it is convenient to not work with women to put it bluntly i find it easier collaborating with men than i do with women mm. and so um i'm mindful of that but i do also think it's it's kind of interesting to see in this ecosystem now more and more people saying okay we need to bring the women and the men together and we need to right. find for ways to do this so okay so okay i mean we don't have much time left but you know let's let's try it anyhow so what you know the overarching theme or you know approach of men's work like what is you know because you mentioned okay there's you know a, a theme of addiction and recovery is is in there you know uh, individuation i would presume is also in there developing a healthy relationship to oneself and to the other other gender let's say to the other sex but what is the overarching uh paradigm let's say of man's work if you had to put your finger on it it's a big question right um I mean, the, the answer that came to my head and it's kind of corny and doesn't say anything is learning how to be a man today. Okay. But it is like, I think, from where I'm sitting, from where I grew up, it's certainly not obvious what it means to be a man. But then also it seems like in order to live, you know, like we were talking earlier about sex being this kind of horny beast inside of you. It's like, unless you have some kind of skillful model of what it means to be your sexual persona. Right. Then that thing is going to tear your life apart. And so in its essence, it's a bit like learning to fly the spaceship that is a male. Libido. I get that, but you know, okay. So let me, let me dig a little deeper because isn't that basically a paradox in the sense that you can also only be a man and learn if you start, you know, doing, and if you have experiences and make mistakes and throw yourself into the world instead of, I mean, it's, I know I phrase it like a hyperbole, you know, but let me for the second, but instead of being in a group and talking about those things, you know, I know, I know it's not what you're doing, but just in, in terms of, you know, creating a polarity, you know, because I think, that the learning by doing, you know, just to explore what it means to be a man uh, by being in the world, because that's the only way you could do it, you know, by, by creating an art piece, you know, by creating a podcast, by traveling, by learning different, you know, skills and whatever. Of course, like, but I don't think, I don't think it's exclusive. I guess what having a space, like a men's group, there's an element of, okay, I'm doing all this stuff in the world. Now I'm thinking about it and bringing it here, observing how men react to it and think about it, which then teaches me, I kind of see myself reflected in other men. Right. 
in their thought patterns, in their modes of expression, in their struggles, in their sufferings. Right, that makes sense. Yes. Gives, it's like, <clears throat> it's almost like, <laughs> it's like having a novel about men to just read. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to read a chapter. You know, if you had a good novel about a group of men, we're yeah. going to like a men's space. You kind of do that. It's like you, you walk into everybody's life situation. Yeah, like, oh. yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think both is like, even if you look at movies, we're talking about movies a lot today. But, you know, if you look at movies like Fight Club, you have all, you know, you have both, you know, you have like the, uh, the Nietzschean over super ego, what's in English, like overman. Yeah, you know, overman. Huh? Overman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is like kind of implicit there and the, the, the expectation for the man to develop this kind of thing. But also you have a brotherhood you know, through which you can reflect on what you're doing. And this was also always the case. You know, if you look at the, you know, the great heroes, they also always had in their formative years, you know, this kind of, um, be, you know, backup, you know. The British yeah. colleges, I like to think of Churchill, you know, and the whole, you know, club, men's club he was in, you know, he wasn't called that, but it was like basically a men's club, you know. Yeah, well, it's. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of this though. We're kind of like Hegelian lens as well. Like one of Hegel's kind of big points is that we only come to really know ourselves through seeing ourselves reflected in others. Right. Kind of that. Like, there's obviously a big focus on diversity and difference these days. But actually, like, it's hard to see myself reflected in someone who's very different from me. It's much easier to kind of see myself reflected in people who are similar to me. And right, so, like sharing intimate spaces with people who all actually have like different but also similar life experiences it certainly seems to me to be a great way to understand myself better and given that everybody with a well not everybody with a dick but most people with a dick call themselves a man and walk around thinking i'm a man mm. that's like a kind of common similarity for everyone to kind of recognize themselves in and discuss these i guess ways of thinking ways of expressing yeah so what is a man? What, 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 uh, that was the wrong question. What are the expectations or the, the trials and tribulations, you know, the men in your social systems, you know, in, in these kinds of men groups are struggling with? I mean, I mean, it's apart from things like porn addiction, like, I mean, like on the broader scale. <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest, I think if you dig deep enough, like sex and porn is like, most men are grappling with that certainly <laughs> That's probably why the majority of young men end up in these sorts of groups right mm. probably i don't know if they'd all admit that but i think i do think it is one of the core things is just trying to make sense of yourself as a sexual being right mm. and like because there's not really um the like the social models that are just kind of what you do and fall into unconsciously, like just, well, I'm going to get married and have a job and be a husband. We kind of have this liberation now, which has been sold as this great thing, but actually yeah. liberation is a massive fucking responsibility. Because mm -hmm. you kind of got to figure it all out. So that's, that's one of the, what was the, what was the question? Well, the question is like, we were talking about the overarching, you know, paradigm or idea of, of men's work, you know, and, and so, What are the, um, I'm, I'm missing an English word here, I'm sorry. It's like um, 
the major obstacles or the major things to learn of 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 you know young men in in these men's groups today you know mm. is it is it something like to learn to be to be you know to affirm their own sexuality and it's kind of you know just go and experiment with it or you know it's learning like, to trust yourself is a massive thing yeah okay mm. so learning to trust um who you are and what you desire and how you think and what you're interested in and this isn't just related to sex but it's all sorts of things but in, in general it's just yeah learning to be at peace with yourself mm. i think that's a massive part of it mm which includes but isn't limited to sex. Do you think, I mean, that's just a hunch. Do you think, you know, the whole, you know, uh, you know, you were, you were talking about the sexual awakening and, you know, the, the complexities, you know, we are facing ourselves in. And, and your generation, I mean, uh, faces, I think, more complex uh, problems than we did in the 80s or in the 90s because, you know, There was Nirvana and Soundgarden and, you know, you were just going to parties and hit on girls. And there was not these kind of constant conversa cultural conversation about sex and gender and, you know, the problems of Internet age and everything. It was was in a way, way more simpler structure, you know, the world. And so you you would just go with that. And I mean, of course, there were like people who would play the game better or whatever and boys who had more problems but you know i think I, my feeling is the, the the game was somewhat simpler in the 80s and 90s you know you would just you know wear the proper clothes and that's it and then you have access to a certain kind of girl group of girls and then you if you want to change and you you grow your hair out and or whatever you do and then you have a, access to different kinds of girls you know but you wouldn't question yourself in in the way you wouldn't be in such a self doubt about your sexuality like i i i feel like it's more prevalent today you know what i'm saying yeah yeah well i think there's perhaps like a massive discrepancy um for many guys between the sex life they have themselves on us with a screen yeah the actual sex life yeah and that produces um <laughs> there's a lot of tension there there's a lot of inner turmoil there Right. It's like on the one hand, you can kind of like, you've got the, these, the images of your head of whatever orgies you want to have whenever you want to have them. Right. But then you might actually not be having that at all in reality. And then there's the kind of part of you that's really desiring that and the part of you that isn't. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Mm. So because so like John, Jonathan kind of High School. Subjectivity, essentially there's like the kind of the internet self and then the the real self or the embodied self that's super interesting i know I, i get that Owen, because like um jonathan Haidt, he was talking about the coddling of the american mind about you know suicide rates that go up with women with you know the advent of social media because you know they are comparing themselves and then they're creating you know all this self-doubt and then you know the curve of, of suicide goes up um way more with women than with men and so but he focuses more on the aspects of women you know with the with the advent of the internet age but the way you're describing it right now it has also like a palpable effect for young men because of the difference of their imagination what they can have through apps and the reality and that kind of creates a tension 
which in effect creates a tension in, uh, within their own self-perception and kind of, that, that's how i understand what you just said yeah yeah i mean and like a lens that i've had a few thoughts just as you were talking um like if you use bard's language for example you could say that there's this like the screen allows you to explore that pathic side of yourself incredibly intensely yeah but then not have an outlet for it anywhere in actual the physical world right so there's like like a real intimate communion with potentially your like deepest kinks and your horniness yeah but nobody to share that with mm. oh yeah i understand because also because of porn you 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 go to places you know you know weird weird things that you that you're weirdly attracted to you know but you can't act out that in real life because it's so far out is that what you're talking about yeah or like you might be like 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 have certain fantasies that you're watching but yeah there's you don't have the confidence to go and actually do that in reality you right. don't have confidence to like actually go and pay a dominatrix to whip your ass right so you just like spend hours and hours and hours watching it and had nobody else in the fucking world witnessed that Whereas if you were to actually go to a dominatrix and do it, there's another subject processing it with you. So there's actually yeah. a kind of transpersonal element there to go yeah. back to what we were talking about earlier. So yeah. what happens is it becomes like a total isolation with your own pathos. Right. Okay. Whereas I think like, and I was talking about witnessing. And that creates in turn like an insecurity. What so many of us long for is just yeah. to be by someone, to kind of have someone look and go like, I can witness every part of you, all of your monstrosity and all of that. Like I'm here with you with that. Let's explore that. Yeah. But you, if you're just alone with a screen, then there's no... But no the, again, the, the, the question that I had and posed was that if this tension that you are describing creates an insecurity about the own manhood, let's say, the, 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 you know, the masculine being in the world that you wouldn't have without that tension, Without that tension, you would just be in the world. You know, you, you wouldn't, I mean, like there's always self-doubt, you know, in every generation, you know, you just have to go back to Baudelaire and, and Rimbaud to see that that is integral part of growing up. But it, it seems to me that that is kind of supercharged and that uh, through, through the internet and so that masculinity comes into um, more into question because of that technology and that, that tension that you just described. Yeah, well, absolutely. I think like Cadell, have you spoken to Cadell last on that? You should get him in. But like he's got away recently, he's been calling like the, the dark triad of modern. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm. Which is, um, uh, I think it's drugs and video games and porn. Mm. And he's like, any man you meet will have had some kind of issue with one of these three things, if not more. And, mm. I, and I think that, that bears itself out very true. And what do all of these things offer? Like all the drugs video games and porn have been around for the 20th century, sure. But I think the, the degree of access that we have to them now and the sophistication of them, maybe drugs, maybe drugs, the kind of access and the sophistication has kind of stayed, although there's all these weird research chemicals now. But porn and video games have got far more sophisticated and far more easy to access. Yeah, yeah. And both of these things 
what we've already discussed porn it gives you this kind of sense of being this casanova in the most depraved crazy orgies that you can think of video games the most popular video games are war video games men mm. running around pretending to be soldiers and killing people yeah or fantasy video games people running around with swords and riding horses and so forth yeah and literally spend like hours 10 20 hours a week in this world and then when you unplug what are, oh well I'm, I'm in a messy flat and I, uh, I I'm a waiter in a restaurant and people talk shit to me so there's a yeah, huge yeah, yeah. like split and uh, like it's not that this is new like of course <laughs> novels exist and like there's I mean I'm just reading Madame Bovary at the moment right and part of that is like her fantasizing about having a romance that's like <laughs> but then her real marriage is nothing like that so of course yeah. this like the the this kind of tension between the fantasy world that we think we want to live in because of media and the real world that we actually live in there's always a tension between it yeah. but i think we're at a point where that tension that distance is humongous yeah 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 hmm. interesting